0: When I work a lot of, with law students or with lawyers, they often experience email apnea, meaning they hold their breath when they get stressed, right? And they will physically have their shoulder raised and they go, I see you nodding your head, Camilla, you can relate to that, right?
1: Everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sick, form, university, thinking about a career in law, or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This. Episode is sponsored by the university of law the university of law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate courses and master's degrees alongside an award-winning pro bono clinic so you can build up your legal experience while studying and their experienced career service will enable you to put your best foot forward when launching your legal career the courses are employment focused and based on real legal practice so you'll be better prepared for the workplace part-time and online study options are Available so you can work and study at the same time. Click the link in the description box of the podcast to find out more about the courses on offer. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast series. My name's Camilla and I'm a future trainee solicitor and LPC student at the University of Law. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about biohacking with the incredible Charlene Giselle, who is a former high flying London lawyer who, after serious personal health scare and subsequent burnout, made a decision to step back from practice. Charlene is now a biohacker and a coach consultant in health and wellness, helping high-performing corporates like lawyers to prevent burnout and practice sustainable working and living habits. Charlene has been featured in a plethora of publications, such as Lawyer Monthly, Women in Home, Women's Fitness, Stylist Magazine, The Guardian and The Metro to name just a few. I'm really excited to welcome Charlene back onto the show today to discuss the topic of biohacking and how it can help us all to improve our standards of living and working. Without further ado, let's welcome Charlene back onto the show. Welcome back to the Student Lawyer Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again.
0: Camila, thank you so much for such a warm welcome I'm delighted to be back I was overly excited the first time around and to be asked (laughs) to come back is ever more exciting so thank you ever so much thank (laughs) you
1: so would you mind sharing the story of why you left a career as a lawyer and why you became a coach consultant
0: yes absolutely I would love to I have to perhaps just go all the way back to say that I've always wanted to be a lawyer as far back as I can remember. And interestingly, uh, my dad is the reason I wanted to be a lawyer, but he's also the reason I stopped wanting to be a lawyer. So it's a bit of a 360 there. Uh, Without going into too many details, a very quick nutshell summary would be that growing up, seeing my dad, he was an insurance broker, very successful, always in the office, playing in his office was my favorite playground. I just wanted to work with papers and I remember saying you know daddy what do you do when you like to work with papers well you become a lawyer <laughs> and, and and there it was uh, fast forward a few years I studied at Cambridge I joined my dream law firm and I was immensely grateful I love the law and my passion for the law still remains however I didn't have much education by way of self-care and resilience and sustainability I Think my desire to dive into the law was so intense that I did burn candles at both ends. I threw myself in completely. I was only 17 and a half when I went to uni. I was 18 by the time I started my law degree. I did two masters in law. Um, I did probably over-qualify. I wanted to be a French lawyer. So I did my maitrise in pont mois and I wanted to be a qualified UK lawyer. So I did my MA at Cambridge, which, you know, one law degree is hard enough, two law degrees. <laughs> so sometimes I think that I might have even been burnt out before I started my career in law. And then I threw myself in and I realized that there was a lot of people suffering in the legal industry because of how they sacrifice their self-care. And I think that I would have carried on if it wasn't for the fact that I had to witness my dad going through a heart attack and a stroke at a very young age, driven by burnout. And when faced with this life and death moment, it just really threw me. And I thought, right, it's not just about me. I'm not the weak link. I'm not the only one that's struggling. There are a lot of people out there that struggle and it just made me want to take a bit of a step back and think about how I could serve an industry that I'm so deeply passionate about. I wanted to be the coach that I wish I had back when I was a law student. And that is the main reason why a lot of my focus and attention is specifically on law students. Yes, I do work with a lot of law firms and a lot of lawyers. My firm belief is that we have to start at the very beginning where all the habits get formed, which is oftentimes at law school.
1: I think it's incredibly inspiring that you recognize that and and, and did something about it. I mean, obviously, you're a very high achiever and the profession of law does attract high achievers. So I think if we're not careful, then burnout is something that can happen if we aren't careful. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly important work that you're doing. And now... Biohacking, I have to admit, I didn't know much about it when I first heard the word. And I don't know why I thought there would be like computers involved. <laughs> You're not too
0: far, Mela. Well done. <laughs> you know, this is a very intuitive answer from you because if you look at the structure of the word, bio actually stands from for your biology, and hacking stands from from hacking from computer science. Absolutely. So the reason you you, you were right. Uh, it's actually a word that comes from the Silicon Valley. So it was first coined by Dave Asprey. is one of the father of the biohacking movement and it's all about the art and science of optimizing your internal biology and your external environment. So for biohackers what matters is getting a great control knowledge of yourself, your physiology but also great control knowledge of your environment, how you breathe, the light that is around you, your external. So it's internal and external factor. Now, what is interesting to note at this point is oftentimes when I talk about biohacking, people have this notion of bioengineering or very advanced uh, CRISPR, uh, very advanced genes modification. And actually, that is a very extreme form of biohacking. And it's not really what biohacking is at its essence or at its core. Biohacking is really the art and science of knowing your body better and mastering your own biology. What I find fascinating is when I decided to travel the world and become a health coach and become a primal health coach, I was learning techniques from living in in an ashram, living in monasteries, living in monks, living in the Himalayas around intermittent fasting, around silence practice, around meditation and breath work and around cold exposure, which I'm going to go back to in a moment. And little did I know that all of those techniques are part and parcel of the biohacking movement, but that word was completely foreign to me. So what happened is I learned all those ancestral primal wisdom technique while I was traveling in those incredibly beautiful and culturally rich country. And then I traveled all the way to the Silicon Valley to roll out and apply all of my ancestral knowledge and I was told oh what you're doing is biohacking and I thought well I didn't know it had a name.
1: Stephanie what is one of the biggest challenges that you face when writing law essays at university? Well Camilla it takes such a long time to gain a deep understanding of the area of law I'm focusing on and to work out what the key arguments are in order to critically analyse the topic. It often involves spending countless hours reading lots of books. I just wish there was a simpler way. It's funny you say that because our awesome sponsor, Bloomsbury Publishing, has a book series called Great Debates in Law, which explores the key debates and controversies in different areas of the law, all written by experts in their field. That sounds perfect. Where can I find out more about this book series? Head over to bloomsbury.com and for a limited time only they are offering listeners of the podcast 20% off any book in the series by using the code GREATDEBATES20 and you can find the details in the description box of the podcast.
0: So let's look at the pillars of biohacking if you would like
1: to. (laughs) Yes, certainly I'd love to hear more about the pillars. (laughs)
0: Oh, excellent. So if we start at the basic, it's really about first, what do we do most all day long, which we're often not even conscious of is breathing, right? So today, the focus of biohacking, you will find a very different definition and opinion on, you know, if you Googled it, for instance, but I'm going to talk about the biohacking basics, the foundation. And when I say basic, that doesn't mean they're Beginners, they mean they're the foundation, they're the most important. Sometimes I see a bit of biohacking bypass, meaning people go and seek out the most expensive, the most fancy toys and gadgets, which is exciting, but they bypass the foundation. And my personal view is that no gadget, no toy is ever going to replace having mastered the basic of your physiology. Number one, your breath, how you breathe every day the way that we breathe and bringing that unconscious act to the conscious, meaning becoming aware of our breathing. Our breathing is our pathway into our nervous system. So when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when I work a lot with law students or with lawyers, they often experience email apnea, meaning they're hold their breath when I get stressed, right? And they will physically have their shoulder raised and they go, I see you nodding your head, Camilla, you can relate to that, right? So that's a form of high breathing, meaning you breathe from the top of your body and you could have shoulder neck pain, you could have shoulder tension, jaw tension. Whereas when you learn to lower your breathing, meaning going down to a belly breath where you're going to Inhale with the sense of expansion from the belly and exhale with a sense of gentle contraction in your abdomen. Having a very slow lengthening movement, you actually can tap into your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. So one very important pillar of biohacking is learning to control and master your breath work. One of the reasons it's also such an important one is that it's so transportable, right? Your breathing is something you have with you all the time. It's not something that you need access to. It's not something that you need a subscription to. You can just learn to tap into it. So I always teach my clients to breathe in the proper way. And there is a proper way to breathe. And oftentimes we haven't received Breathwork training—it's one of the foundation of how I recovered from my burnout, but also how I was able to alleviate anxiety.
1: And I just uh just taking it back to what you said before—it's free, so it's not expensive. It's not one of those expensive gadgets that you need to fork out money for. It's literally free. And what I think is really important. Well, I was actually reading a book recently, and they mentioned breathing in there, and yeah, I think it said something like on average, we only use, I don't remember, don't quote me on the uh, on the figure, but maybe something like 25% of our lungs when we're breathing and how toxic that actually is. So, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really interesting. And as you were saying, you know, breathing from the neck up and with your shoulders high, that's something that I always noticed myself doing. So it's, yeah, definitely going to try and make, a big effort to breathe deep. Absolutely.
0: And oftentimes when you start to learn how to breathe properly, you experience signs such as yawning, just feeling a little bit lightheaded or even feeling a little dizzy because suddenly you have that much more oxygen. And it's really interesting and you just feel a bit drowsy at times as well. But over time, when you do it more and more, you can really tap into a state of relaxation so it's a great tool and you know, for law students, particularly interesting because biohacking can be a little scary in the sense of budgeting, right? Uh, many of our audience will, will have a budget. I remember my years as a student, we all have a budget. And so the idea of having to buy very fancy tech can be quite off-putting. And I really like to reassure anytime I work with a law student, actually, some of the most powerful biohacks are free. <laughs> and anyone that tells you otherwise, I'll be a little bit wary. <laughs> we'll send them your way <laughs> speaking of free biohacks one of the other absolutely beautiful biohack that is so underlooked at and yet so powerful is stillness and silence right uh, working and serving the legal profession we do like to talk <laughs> we like our words we took for a living and uh, it is highly stimulating as an activity which is beautiful being highly intellectual is a virtue and it's extraordinary to be able to apply those analytical skills however it can be very taxing on the brain to be processing all that information and all that data and one thing that I like to really recommend anyone that I work with is do you take moment for stillness and silence right So when I was living in an ashram, I did a silence retreat, which is quite an extreme form. And I wouldn't suggest that you go all the way to a silence retreat, but perhaps remember your triple S. So this is a little hack that I give. On a Sunday, can you be in silence and cultivate stillness? Start with three minutes. Three minutes of stillness and silence. Build it up. Six, nine, 30 minutes. Could you maybe in three months do three hours? How would that look like? And maybe you don't have to be still and silent for three hours, but maybe you could be in silence and have slow movement. How would that work for you? Because when you have stillness and slow movement, your wave actually slow down and that enables you to be more creative, more
1: reflective and less burnt out. That's absolutely fascinating absolutely fascinating and it's just the basics isn't it the fundamentals that are so important and the fact that it cultivates the creativeness and pro- and promotes mind health I just think that's incredible so in terms of in a corporate setting how can what can biohacking be used for in, in a corporate setting?
0: Such a great question, Camilla. So when I work uh, with corporate individuals, leaders or lawyers or anyone that works in office, I really look at their light pollution. What does that mean? And it's a very important pillar of biohacking is this overwhelming artificial blue light that we get, but also a light off red light in the evening. So let me take you back all the way three million years of evolution. (laughs) We are um, bioengineered to raise with uh, the sun, which has quite a lot of blue light early in the morning. If you think about a day, a fresh, crisp day, it's quite blue. It's quite airy outside. And then as the day goes by, you go into the spectrum of the sunset, which has more red hues, amber hues, yellow hues. And if you think back about how we used to live in primal ages, in cave ages, we would have fire as an aid to light when the sun had set. So we're staying in the very amber, yellow, red-ish kind of colour. But then came the modern days and the corporate office work. And think about the type of light that we use after the sun has set. Very blue in nature, very bright in nature very far off indeed from the yellow, amber, red of the natural sunset. At first, this could seem a bit woo-woo. I can, I can hear that, right? I also felt so, but it's been proven by neuroscientists. And the reason for that is because we have what is called circadian rhythm, or circadian rhythm, or sleep and awake cycle, and they are indeed dictated by light. So oftentimes when I work with lawyers or junior lawyers, trainees or students, their circadian rhythm is completely dysregulated. Meaning, typical example of how not to look after your circadian rhythm. So this is what not to do. You get up and you go straight to your computer. You haven't been outside. You did not expose your light to the outdoor. Your body actually does not know that it's daytime. You woke up, you had your shower, you had your cup of coffee, you had a beautiful breakfast, and bam, the computer is on. That is one of the worst things you can do for your circadian rhythm. I see you smiling, Camelia. <laughs> I know a lot of people probably relate to
1: that. I have to admit, <laughs> the computer is one of the first things I turn off, probably before I have my coffee, which is even worse. But don't you think it's got a lot worse since we've been working from home as well then
0: because beforehand there was the commute and the commute was actually a saver because it forced you to go outside and to get light and fresh i i sometimes work with lawyers that haven't stepped outside for three days in a row because they got food delivery they worked online they work remotely you know working remotely is sleeping in the office really For many of us. Some law firms
1: do have beds in the office. (laughs) Yes, true. But now that
0: you can work online, you're sleeping in your office. (laughs) That's very true. Working from home, I think, yes, or sleeping in the office. (laughs) So here's what not to do. And then here is what not to do again. You go to bed with your beautiful laptop on your lap or in your bedroom, looking at let's say a series, I'm not going to name name, using your favorite subscription-based binge-watching device, and you're exposing yourself to blue light. So here is a little summary. We haven't gotten any blue light in the morning, which we did need, the artif- the natural kind. Instead, we got artificial one. And we're not getting any red, amber, yellowish red light in the evening, which we do need to know that our body is saying this is sunset time, time to go to bed. So you can imagine the knock-on impact this has on our biology and the way we feel. And then fast forward a few years of this type of lifestyle, you're dealing with insomnia, chronic anxiety, exhaustion, fatigue, low energy, and even depression.
1: I'd like to take a moment to speak about the University of Law which is the university I decided to study my LPC at. The University of Law is the sponsor of this podcast and makes it possible for us to continue bringing these episodes to you. So we really appreciate you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. The University of Law's experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life legal experience which can boost employability. They offer a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students excel at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time if you'd like to find out more about the courses on offer please click the link in the description box of the podcast it's actually quite scary when you put it like that because you know these gadgets laptops all this technology which is at our fingertips and which wants it wants us to use it all the time and um it's just become part of our daily life, but it's kind of been quite slow, so you, you don't really realise what a huge change it is from decades ago when it when it been like that. So it is actually quite scary at how fast things have happened and what impact that's having on us that we we can't necessarily see unless we take a step back and think about it. It is actually quite scary.
0: Yes, but luckily with biohacking, which is about leveraging technology to serve you and not to enslave you, you can find hacks, right? So for instance, speaking about light exposure, one thing that I do, because sometimes I have to work late, I'm working with LA time zone or New York time zone, and there are moments where I do have to work past a certain time. I use blue blockers, so I put red lights. Um, I'm sorry, red shades glasses on that block the blue artificial light. So that's a really great tool if you must be using a computer at night to mitigate the negative impact of blue light on your eyes.
1: That's absolutely brilliant. I I had no idea that 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 was actually possible. So thank you so much for sharing, um, and. How can biohacking be used for people to improve their daily lives and routines outside of work? Great question.
0: Well, uh, it is all about exposing yourself to nature and the elements a bit more. So one of the side effects of corporate life, which, again, I'm still very much embedded in the corporate life, serving lawyers and uh, the legal industry, it's important to maximize your time when you're not working. So here's a guide of what not to do again at the weekend is spending more time indoor. As a corporate worker, we're very committed to a career. We love serving our clients. So we're spending a lot of time in the office working at a laptop. That's not bad per se, as long as you balance it and bring a bit of harmony by exposing yourself to the outdoor environment. So biohackers are very in touch with nature. As much as they love technology, they also really love to spend time in nature. So for instance, at the weekend, I pride myself in making sure that I move, I go for a run outside, not in the gym, even if it's cold, even if it's raining, even if it's hot. And I do make sure that I get a little uncomfortable. A big, big principle of biohacking is thriving in uncomfortable moment, because again, it brings us back to how we evolve as a species. And we did not evolve as the human that we are today through comfort. We evolved as the resilient being that we are through being confronted with highly uncomfortable situation. So here is one of my favorite biohack that I do with a lot of my clients that is great outside the office, cold shower cold exposure what it does is it reinforces your immune system but it also reinforces your mental resilience because it's highly uncomfortable right you go and you have access to a perfectly warm shower but you choose to have a freezing cold one instead you could think it's a bit mad (laughs) but the idea here is not to be overly comfortable if you think about it we have ac we have very comfortable offices We have a very comfortable environment. And it's one of the first time in human history that we are the safest, yet we have so many diseases, such as metabolic conditions, such as immune condition. And most of them could be mitigated by spending a bit more time being resilient. Another great tool is taking off your shoes. You know, very simple tool at the weekend, but biohackers love barefoot uh, walking and I have barefoot shoes that I use and I make sure I expose myself to the ground, to soils, to a bit of dust, and I make sure that I'm not always in a sterile environment because I do want to become more resilient. And because of this, I I get less sick overall because my immune system has been built to be extremely resilient.
1: What are these barefoot shoes that
0: you talk of? Oh, yes, uh, I love them. You you would probably see me. I walk around London in those days. They, they, oh, they're wow. a bit of an acquired look. So they're basically um, they, you have one toe for, for two. So you have five, five little toes. Oh, wow. And you have a very gentle and very thin sole. Uh, I'll send you a picture if you want. And yeah, that sounds uh, fascinating. I was just thinking, I wonder what they are. But yeah, You can also cool. have them as running shoes. Ooh. So You can have five-finger shoes. You can have uh, barefoot running shoes, barefoot hiking shoes. You can have all sorts of barefoot shoes. And it really helps with the arch of your feet, the position, but also just um, being able to feel grounded. And earthing, which is a big thing that biohackers love to do, is just – you know, feeling that energy from the ground and being connected. We spend so much time in shoes and we really damage the arch of our feet. We damage our toes. I used to have chronic toe pain as well because of the heels that I love to wear back in the office. And I do sometimes still wear them, but in a much more mindful way. And I do a lot of toe exercises as well. Your feet is the foundation. You know, if you think of a pyramid, it's, it's your base,
1: it's your foundation. So you do have to look after them very well. I definitely agree. And taking it back to the cold shower quickly. I mean, with the electricity prices as well, you've got electric boiler. You're saving money by having a cold shower, so I definitely think.
0: I love it, Kimmy. That's such a practical point.
1: (laughs) Bit of commercial awareness in there too. (laughs) I love it. Right. And so what are some of the signs that people are heading towards burnout? How can we learn to recognize these signs so that we can do something about it before it's too late to avoid? So important.
0: One of the telling signs is when your behavior changes. So uh, from my experience now working on burnout recovery and burnout prevention program for the past four to five years, I've learned that some signs such as behavior around food are really telling. So typically clients that start to overeat or stop eating Basically, dramatic shift in eating. And it's not one size fits all. So for some of us, it could be the person is eating more and more, and in a non-mindful way, will resort to snacking, to process food, craving sugar, craving sweeties at night, waking up hungry, or the person could actually just not eat anymore and feel the dread of even having to cook being cumbersome, right? So you see those. You also see shift in behavior around drinks. So a person could be starting to become a bit more of a social drinker and it can become a slippery so quickly, right? And the person will drink more and more often. There is a bit of uh, partaking into those social events, but then the person finds themselves drinking on their own. Those are also telling signs or behaviors around sleep the person develops a behavior that is either insomniac or that is be, uh, falling asleep during the day. So if you're really fighting to stay awake or if you're just completely unable to fall asleep, so battling through insomnia. So those are behavioral changes to look out for. But then there are also psychological or mental changes. So those will be around the lack of optimism. When you start to feel that, Bloom when you start to feel that the world around you is a bit bleak, that you don't feel valued, that your worthiness is impacted, you don't feel recognized, you're not sure you have a purpose. A lot of the time, my clients describe this as being a a boat that Sails in a foggy day without seeing the lighthouse. They don't know where they're heading. That the boat is moving, but there is no direction. There is no clear path ahead. That sense of dread is is quite common. And then there are also physical symptoms, which are also important to talk about. And those could be around, like my dad, a heart attack. So before that, he had a lot of heart palpitations and a lot of uh, high blood pressure, and he will feel. Hot, hot, heated up, you know, that anger driven. I remember that even as a child, he would feel really um, frazzled and he would be, you could tell his heart was racing. Those were not signs that I have to be honest, we looked at or investigated. But fast forward a few years of being that type A stress driven person, and he had a very young age burnout driven heart attack. Not to be fatalistic here, I'm not saying that anyone who has heart palpitation is facing a heart attack, but sadly, it is quite common um, with a lot of my clients. I have just been working with someone for the past three months that also had a cardiovascular uh, accident. So it is important to notice that your cardiovascular health is so important. For other people, physical symptoms could be around sweating or even around shaking or difficulty breathing, so shortness of breath. And then for others, it could be a lot different. For me, I had chronic back pain. I also had skin rashes and I developed adult acne, which is, you know, um, you can have a whole various telling signs. It is really important to mention for our audience to be educated on the fact that there are mental or psychological, physical or behavioral changes. Those are really three to
1: remember. Yeah, that's definitely given us some something to look out for for sure. Um, in our future careers, I'm sure the listeners will agree. Um, yeah, it's really important to recognise those signs and then make changes, I think. So we've maybe touched on this a little bit when you spoke about the lighting, but depending on what firm you work at, sometimes long hours are inevitable. I have a friend who's Uh, just started his training contract and he said that he very rarely leaves the office before midnight. So I I think that long hours are sometimes inevitable, especially if you're working at an international firm. Is it possible for us junior lawyers or senior lawyers to mitigate the negative effects of these long hours?
0: Absolutely, such an important question as well, because Oftentimes, I hear this a lot from trainees and law students, almost like, oh, burnout is a rite of passage. You know, we know it's going to happen. The question is not if it happened to me, it's when it will happen to me. I get this a lot. And I am a firm believer that you can avoid it. And here's how, even if you have a very intense workday, do little self-care prioritization. That doesn't mean you're slacking. That doesn't mean you're not committed to your job. That doesn't mean you're not career-focused, but you do Prioritize self-care as much. So for example, when you're working a really tough day and you have to bill a lot of hours and you know you're gonna be in the office late, you've gotta treat yourself like an athlete, meaning you've gotta make sure that your food is on point. One of the worst thing that you could do on a busy day is eat junk and oftentimes is what I see. So if you're gonna stay in late and you're gonna get delivery by way of pizzas or burger or sandwiches, That is not gonna serve you. Think about it. Do you really think that an athlete who is about to go and run a marathon or run a sprint for the Olympics is gonna feed themselves with a burger or pizza beforehand? I don't think so. They will know to prime themselves up and to be in a state of peak performance. As lawyers or as corporate workers serving the legal industry, We too have to be as conscious about what we feed our body with. So the kind of food choices that we make. This is one of the things that is most overlooked by young lawyers. They just go for convenience. And after time, those food are highly processed, saturated in seed oils, saturated in white sugar, and there is very little nutrient. We need to start thinking about food as a performance enhancer. It's a natural way to enhance your performance. So when I eat my meal and when I get my client's meal prep, I think about what the nutrient is going to serve the work they have to do. So if I give you a concrete example, you'll be engaging with your intellectual ability. So you're really engaging your brain. So you need food that will enhance your cognitive performance. Those will be food that are rich in natural good fat, for instance, mackerel, salmon, or for instance, meat such as lamb or a bit of red meat or meat that have choline rich such as uh, poultry or chicken or turkey. You will also want some antioxidant by way of berries such as blueberries or strawberries. Those are fruits that are low in fructose but high in antioxidant. You will want to make sure that you get also vitamin A and E, and that would be great by way of eating eggs as well. So if you have to choose between a big bowl of cereal filled with sugar, uh, or making a nice egg with a piece of salmon, one will enhance your performance and one will actually make your performance worse. So choose food that enhances your performance. That is so important. And the second thing is If you know you're going to be working late and working an intense day, you do need to make sure you prioritize a little bit of movement. So when I say this, oftentimes junior lawyers or trainees say, oh, that's not possible. I understand you have to be at your desk, but it is possible to take little movement breaks. And that doesn't mean going for a gym class. I know that may not be accessible, but take two hours of uninterrupted work, Deep work, deep focus, and then go walk for 20 minutes. If you have to, you can still be on a phone call while you're walking, or you can be voice noting yourself or voice noting your PA or voice noting someone in your team or taking a team call. But do go for a walk around the block to make sure you boost your immunity, you boost your lymphatic system. And when you're walking, your cognition is enhanced as well because your brain gets a little bit of time to process all the thoughts. So one of the worst thing you could do when you're working late is being sat down for 12 consecutive hours. It doesn't help with creative ideas. It doesn't help with focus and it doesn't help with motivation.
1: Thank you so much for going through that. Honestly, Charlene, I've learned so much about biohacking and gained some really helpful tools that I can't wait to take into my career as a trainee solicitor. And I'm sure that the listeners will feel the same too. Um, and I also felt really inspired to make some changes in my personal life to make myself more sustainable and healthy so thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom um, and you know your tools your biohacking tools with us Uh, I feel really grateful for that so thank you well
0: thank you Camilla (laughs) where can our listeners
1: follow you and learn more about your incredible work
0: Uh, On my website, www.charlengiselle.com. And under resources, they'll be able to download a free breathwork guide and a free guided meditation, which is 20 minutes. And it's a really great way to relax, a good one to listen just before sleep. If you're struggling with sleep, that's the reason why I recorded it. Or if you're studying and you want to get into deep focus, Do two hours of work, listen to guided meditation and then go back to two hours focused work.
1: Wonderful. And I will leave the link to your website in the description box of the podcast. So our listeners can just go down there and click on that and that will take you straight there. So, yeah, thank you again, Charlene, for joining us. And thank you to the listeners as well for tuning in. Um, Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you next time. To hear more of The Student Lawyer's podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.